meets at 9 o'clock every Sunday. And uh, are you nervous or is it just me? Okay, it's probably just me. That was my icebreaker. Uh, be turning in your Bibles, if you would, to Joshua chapter 7. We're going to talk about a big word today. It's called sanctification. It is a Bible word. And uh, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 7. And uh, if you don't uh, have a Bible, you can get one in, this, in the row in front of you. And there's a uh, kind of a pew Bible. And you can turn to page 330. So uh, Joshua chapter 7, page 330 if you're using one of our uh, Bibles. And we're going to be talking about sanctification this morning. And uh, let's stand as we read this together. We're going to read, I think, about uh, nine verses here, starting at Joshua 7 and verse 6. And uh, I'll give you a little uh, backstory after we read it and pray. But let's turn to uh, Joshua 7, verse 6. And the Bible says, And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth. Upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have taken even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own staff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because uh, they were a curse. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the accursed thing among you. And uh, verse 13 is what I wanted us to see here. Up, sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribe. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man, and it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. And uh, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer again. Uh, Father in heaven, we do bow before you. We Thank you for the, the reading of your word. We thank you that we can have it and hold it and see it and uh, read it. And I pray we'll take these things, apply them to our lives. pray you'll bless this message. Use this uh, fabulous fifth Sunday for your honor and glory as we uh, prepare to take the Lord's Supper. 
and uh, remember his death, burial, and resurrection, and also that uh, he's coming again. So, Lord, we lay this before you today. Uh, prick our hearts and minds. Use this uh, in a mighty way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> and so the word uh, sanctification came up here in our, in our passage today. And uh, just that word means to set apart. It also means to make holy. And so uh, those of us that are saved, we have been sanctified. We are set apart. We are to be holy. And just to kind of illustrate, uh, all of us right now are sitting in the sanctuary. We call this the sanctuary. It's a place that we have dedicated. We have, we, uh, the people that built this building set this room apart for the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Amen? And so that's, that's why we're doing here. That's why you're sitting here, and that's why I'm speaking to you this morning, uh, in order that you might be edified in your faith, built up and sanctified, and, and go out and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what I want to say about that is salvation is an event. And uh, I, I liken this, uh, so if salvation is an event, sanctification is the process that follows the event. So uh, my son and my daughter are both here today. There was a day that they were born in a hospital, and that was an event. It, it was maybe a several-hour event, but there was a day that they were born, and uh, but that began a relationship with, her, with their mother and I, right? We got to meet our children the day they were born, and it was a process of their growth, wasn't it? And uh, I'm also honored to have my dad here today. And uh, he came down yesterday because yesterday was my birthday. I turned uh, 60 years old yesterday. And uh, my birth in January 30th of 1961 began my relationship with my earthly parents, didn't it? And so I think of salvation that way, that there needs to be a time, a day, a place that you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to apply his sacrifice to your sins and it's, it's, a, it's a transaction, it's, it's a substitution. He died for us, and we uh, ask his uh, payment of sin to cover our sins and uh, forgive us and, and to give us eternal life, and he does that. And so now begins a process of sanctification. And kind of the backstory here with Joshua, Israel, uh, as you know, uh, Moses was the lawgiver, and he had died just a few months before this story that we just read. Uh, uh, most all of us have heard of Moses. We've probably read the stories. We know of uh, the plagues in Egypt that brought him out of Egypt. And uh, they were able to cross the Red Sea on dry land. And then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience. But as, right after Moses died... Joshua took his mantle. He took the place of leadership. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but the word Joshua in Greek is the exact word for Jesus. And so Joshua brings the children of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land. And they enter the promised land. And uh, who knows the first battle they fought in the promised land? Just say, what was the name of that town? It was Jericho, and most of us have learned the story of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down, and uh, that was Joshua, and, and Israel had this great victory. There was nearly two million Israelites 
and uh, the soldiers and the priests, and they marched the Ark of the Covenant around Jericho, and they had this great victory. And then uh, Joshua, uh, for whatever reason, he just sent uh, two or 3,000 men uh, up to Ai to, to uh, fight against it right after Jericho, and they get defeated. And uh, I'll have the uh, Joshua verse, uh, chapter 7, uh, the first two verses up on the screen, I think. And uh, we were able to get it, maybe, okay. And uh, so th- this is the, the story because the victory over Jordan or uh, Jericho, a man named Achan stole an accursed thing from the inhabitants of the promised land and this first battle at Jericho. And, and Joshua 7 verses 1 and 2 say, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of uh, Carmi, the son of Zebdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel and Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven on the east side of Bethel and spake unto them saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed. And uh, it says that Achan took of the accursed thing. And we find in Deuteronomy chapter 7 that uh, the Israelites were forbidden from taking. They they were not only not to intermarry with the people of the land, but in in Deuteronomy 7, the Bible says, The graven images of their gods shall ye burn with fire, Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein, for it is an abomination to the Lord. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed, a cursed thing. And so uh, by Achan taking of the spoil of Jericho that was uh, to be dedicated to the Lord. They were not to take any spoil. And he took that and he put it in his own house. He, he coveted uh, some gold and a Babylonian garment. He, he, there was two or three things. And he hid it in his house. And what, what he did by that, he not only cursed his own household, but he cursed the uh, nation of Israel. And one thing, it, it, you don't see... Uh, just on the surface, but uh, the Israelites were in the promised land and they were to conquer the land. And do you, do you know this man's sin, it held up the whole nation for this period of time that he was coveting and holding on to this thing. And it caused, uh, my, my point here is our sin affects others, amen? And we're going to read in these next few verses here, in verses 3 through 5, that some people died because of it. In verses 3 of Joshua 7, it says, And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor there thither, for they are but few. So Ai was a small town. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai, 
And the men of Ai smote them, about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebrim, and smote them in the going down. Therefore the heart of the people melted and became as water. Uh, there's an illustration I read this week about an iceberg, and, and we don't have any icebergs around here, but you can, you can picture an iceberg. They say about 90% of an iceberg is below the water. So about 10% is above the water. And they say as the sun shines on that iceberg, kind of the outer layer kind of melts into the water. And uh, so the 90% kind of comes up to the top, and this is the little thing I read. It says, the process of sanctification can be compared to an iceberg, which is almost 90% underwater. As the sun shines on the iceberg, the exposed part melts, moving the lower part upward. It says, in the same way, we are usually aware of only a small part of our sinfulness and needs, which is all we can deal with at any one time. However, as the light of God's word and word in our life changes us, in the areas we know about, we become aware of new areas of need and sin that God is dealing with. And I just thought that was good because, because that's, what, uh, that's exactly what happens. Uh, Israel's lack of sanctification, it caused others to die. The whole nation was affected. And what it did was it, it prompted Joshua to pray. So uh, we're, we're going to see the sanctification really starts with a problem being exposed. And so uh, we're going to look at this again in, in chapter 7, verses 6 through 9, is Joshua's prayer. It says, And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventime, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O, o Lord God, Wherefore uh, hast thou put, I'm sorry, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the, the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? And in uh, <clears throat> verse 9 also, uh, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ, environ us round, and cut off our name from the earth, and what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And So this problem that Joshua was not aware of uh, prompted him to pray, and uh, that, that, that's what our problem should force us to do too, shouldn't it? We, we should go to the Lord in prayer, we should cry out to him in times of need, times of difficulties, and uh, not only does it prompt us to pray, but it prompted Joshua to action. And in the, in the next few verses, God gave him an answer that, hey, somebody, there's an accursed thing in your camp. Uh, your people have sinned. And uh, the Bible says in Numbers that our sin will find us out, doesn't it? And so it's best not to hide. It's best not to, to uh, distance ourselves from God's people. It's best just to get honest, isn't it? Just get right, get our heart right. Go to the Lord in prayer, and then act on what he says. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to have us look at Leviticus now. I think we'll have it on the screen, Leviticus chapter 20. And so I want us to see God's part and our part 
in this sanctification process. So yeah, if you want to look at Leviticus 20, and we'll look at verses 7 and 8. I kind of marvel at this verse. Uh, uh, honestly, this is what brought me to the story of Joshua. Uh, in Leviticus 20, verses 7 and 8, <clears throat> the Lord is speaking here. He says, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. And ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. Do, do you see, compare that. First, God is saying, hey, brother, sister, uh, Israel, sanctify yourselves. And oh, by the way, I'm, I'm the Lord that sanctifies you. So you need to sanctify yourselves, but God's going to sanctify you. And I, I want us to <clears throat> meditate on that a little bit. And we're, we're going to look at some New Testament examples of sanctification. <clears throat> And we're going to see that that's exactly uh, what happens. That there, there's an active role in our sanctification. Joshua had to deal with Israel's sin. And it, it, we're not going to read the rest of the story, but uh, Achan's tribe gets called out. His household gets called out. His family gets called out. And God tells Joshua to, since, since, Achan, since Achan did not get right, and he had, he had opportunity to get right. The Lord killed him and his whole household. They, they burned him. Well, first they stoned him, and then they burned him. You know, they, they, they double-killed those folks. <laughs> they did. They are twice dead. Um, but in the New Testament, I want to look at some New Testament examples of sanctification because that's how... The Jesus, the Joshua of the Old Testament, sanctified Israel. They got sent out of the camp by uh, destroying this man and his family that had committed something that was strictly forbidden in the law. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I think it will be on the screen, it, the Bible says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, there's our, there's our word for the day, that ye should abstain from fornication. And so this is dealing with how to sanctify our physical bodies. Uh, God is, and don't miss this, I bet everyone in here would say, I want to do the will of God. I want the will of God in my life. Well, the Bible is saying right here, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. God, His will is for us to be sanctified. And the example he gives is abstain from fornication. Abstaining from the sin of fornication it serves to sanctify the body, and it is the will of God to abstain from it. And I think it's in the Corinthians where it says that uh, fornication is a sin against our bodies. And so his remedy is, is not to do that, to abstain. Uh, uh, our American word for it is abstinence, <clears throat> is a way to sanctify ourselves. And, and then let's look at the uh, Second Timothy verse uh, we'll put up. 2 Timothy 2.20, there, there's two verses here, and I don't want you to miss this. Uh, sanctification makes us usable. I used to, uh, I, mean, I can use this as an illustration here. Uh, one day at work this week, um, I bought a Snapple. I don't know if you ever drink Snapple, but I just wanted some juice one day. And, and uh, 
as I was drinking it and I set it, I noticed there was a flake of, I think it was a piece of plastic. And uh, so, but anyway, uh, picture this. I mean, if I seen a little bit of sediment in the bottom, <laughs> if there was dirt in here, I probably wouldn't drink it, would I? But, uh, I mean, this is uh, packaged, it was sealed, it looks clear. Uh, and I, I think God looks at us that way. When we're dirty, when we are defiled, it just kind of makes us unusable. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want to use you, but you're unclean, you're, you're dirty. And, and that's what it says here in 2 Timothy 2.20. The Bible says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and, and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. And then it says, if a man therefore purge himself, if, if we purify, if we cleanse ourselves from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet or, or fit for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So do you want to be a, an unclean vessel or, uh, or do you want to be a dishonorable vessel? No, we want to be honorable vessels. Uh, and it says it's meat for the master's use. God can use you when you're sanctified, right? <clears throat> and, and that's what he wants for our life. So uh, we've seen the sanctification is God's will. It, sanctification is necessary to make us useful. And sanctification begins in our heart. Uh, in our recovery group, we say, uh, you know, before we commit a sin or before we use or, uh, drugs or partake of alcohol, we thought about it. Before you did something, you thought about it. And so kind of the uh, remedy <clears throat> is to change the way we think. So if we want to change the way we behave, we do have to change the way we think. And uh, we take it one step further and say, in order to change how you think, you have to change what you believe. So all of us, probably every one of us in here, believe a lie of some kind. And uh, we have to start believing truth and get honest and get real before we change the way we think, and then we'll change the way we behave and act. Do you, do you know that... Uh, the Pharisees came to the Lord and his disciples and they condemned them for eating bread without washing their hands. And, and Jesus was quick to say that, you know, uh, having unwashed hands doesn't defile you. It's what comes out of you that defiles you. And, you know, you're just practicing the traditions of men. The, the law, the Bible doesn't actually say that. And in uh, Philippians, I like this verse. This uh, kind of resonated with me this week in Philippians 2. <clears throat> I want us to see that the devil works from the outside in. We, we call that oppression. When, when the world oppresses us, they want us to think a certain way. And uh, all of us are tired of COVID. And so we have to take the truth of, of, of that uh, disease and plague in our land and uh, deal with that according to truth but the world and the flesh and the devil they work from the outside in but God works from the inside out if we change our heart and uh, sanctify ourselves then our actions will be right but in Philippians 2 12 
uh, some have misinterpreted this verse, but Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that's not saying that we need to work for our salvation. It says to work out, to work what's inside you. The, <clears throat> the Bible says that the Holy Spirit seals our soul unto the day of redemption. And the part of us that's saved, nobody else sees, but when we work it out, when we do good works, when we love our fellow man, when we forgive one another as we're thinking of the Lord's Supper, we don't want to have unforgiveness in our heart. We don't want to be like Achan and hide something in our house of our tabernacle. Uh, we want to work it out. <clears throat> and uh, we even say that, you know, uh, brothers and sisters need to work out their issue, resolve their problems. And uh, we work it out with fear and trembling like, you know, God, I don't want sin in the camp. I don't want sin in my life. So we need to work out and uh, know that uh, we're forgiven and and, uh, and that enables us to forgive others. <clears throat> so I've mentioned several ways that we can sanctify ourselves, <clears throat> but in Hebrews I want to see it's the Lord that sanctifies us. We said that <clears throat> we can sanctify, uh, sanctification is God's will, it makes us usable, it begins in the heart, <clears throat> but it uh, ultimately begins by trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Here in Hebrews 13, 12, uh, 13 and verses 12 and 13, the Bible says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Jesus Christ sanctifies his people with his own blood. Amen? And he does, and, and it's his blood that uh, we're going to take of the, the emblem of the, uh, the grape juice, the new wine, and it's going to be symbolic of his blood that was shed for us. That's how we can get forgiveness of sins, and it, it doesn't make sense, but we, can, we are cleansed by his blood. We, we think of, you know, being, uh, getting blood on us would stain us, but it does the opposite. It actually makes us clean. And then I wanted to see uh, one more time, uh, sanctification affects our inheritance. In the New Testament, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, the Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So this passage is dealing with our inheritance, it's speaking to Christians. It says, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, like Achan was covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. <clears throat> and so you, you may have uh, stolen. You may have been a liar. You may have committed fornication. You may have 
done all these things in this list, but that's who you were. Now, if you've trusted Christ, you are washed. Ye are sanctified. Ye are justified. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and we are complete in Him. <clears throat> and that we can rejoice about that. Uh, we told the folks on Friday night, everybody has a past, and most of it needs to stay in the past. But we can, we, we're not who we are, who we were, but we can uh, press toward the mark of Christ's high calling in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, ju just as with Israel, sanctification is needful. There's a need for us to be you know, we're either going forward or we're going backwards. There's uh, a pastor I know, he used to say that uh, salvation is digital. It, it's not analog. So digital is either on or off. You're either saved or you're lost. Analog is, you know, the sine wave. It's uh, the dial on, you know, the volume control on your radio is, is analog. But salvation is either on or off. But after we're saved, uh, we need to be sanctified. We need to... Get uh, you know, change the way we talk. Change um, maybe the places we go. But but think about this, and, and I'll give you an illustration. But sanctification can be painful. Don't you think Achan and his whole family were shamed by being brought before all of Israel? This guy stole stuff from Jericho. Here he is. We're getting ready to stone him and burn him. Uh, so it, it, sanctification can be difficult physically. You know, when an addict is uh, recovering, there's some physical urges. I mean, uh, I know a guy that uh, he, uh, he, he moved away now, but he, he said uh, he would not walk down the aisle in the convenience store that sells cigarettes because just, just seeing or smelling the tobacco made him want to smoke a cigarette. So maybe we need to change. So it can be uh, painful. There can be some withdrawals. There's some emotional shame about uh, sanctification. And another thing, it can be time-consuming. You know, if, if you've signed up for discipleship, it takes time. My, my wife and I, we spent an hour and a half with the people, or an hour and a half, a year and a half. <laughs> There's a difference there. With the people that discipled us, it was a year and a half process, and so uh, it, it takes time to be sanctified. Do you know it can be costly? Do you know people that show up here on Friday night? You know we have an hour and a half, two hour meeting every Friday night, and and uh, you might not, you know, even coming here on a Sunday morning. Um, I spoke to one gentleman in the in the in the in the lobby and. He just said, yeah, it was cold out. I wanted to stay home. So it's, it, it's costly to, you know, I'm going to have to get out of some, I'm going to have to be uncomfortable. I'm going to have to get up and shower and change clothes and drive there. <clears throat> but do you know uh, sanctification can bring healing? Don't, don't miss that because a lot of us uh, are maybe damaged or broken and we need to be healed, don't we? There's, and, and some of that is a process uh, in sanctification, and, and also don't miss this, um, sanctification brings us hope and it brings us victory. 
you know, a- after Joshua dealt with Achan and his family, they overtook Ai. They, uh, after, he, after Joshua passes off the scene, a few years later, King David's on the throne and he conquers the promised land and they win those battles because David was a man after his own heart and when he sinned, he got right. So sanctification can be painful, it can be time-consuming, it's costly, it brings healing, and it gives us hope and victory. And I just wanted to comment, uh, many of you know that uh, last August 17th, uh, I tore my rotator cuff in this arm, and and uh, it's, it's still not completely right today, but uh, that injury on August 17th, it... Uh, it prompted me, you know, it didn't get better. We, we, I told my boss, yeah, my shoulder popped when we were lowering this big incubator down on a dolly. And, and, um, and then the next day, I'm like, I don't think it's going to get better. And so that began. Uh, so on September 29th of last fall, uh, I had a rotator cuff surgery. And they found uh, four torn tendons. And they, they had to put seven anchors in my shoulder. They looked like sheetrock anchors and I'm sure they're smaller but they were plastic and uh and so then I had to have my arm in a sling for six weeks right they said they don't uh they the uh luckily it was through workman's comp and they brought a chair to my house uh, and the chair would move my arm from 30 degrees to 60 degrees and he said try to go up about one degree a day for 30 days and and so it got up from 30 percent to 90 percent and and uh, he said, even get up to 100 percent or 100 degrees. Not not a, so. Um, so that went on for a month. Well, then I start physical therapy, and that that's pretty exciting. <laughs> so I did that every Monday and every Friday morning before I went to work for the last three months. And and I just completed physical therapy like two weeks ago. And uh, so it, it went from you know, you know, a total, and, and he said, you know, when, when you're, uh, <clears throat> when your uh, arm is immobile, or, or even your body is immobile, it, uh, I think every day it's immobile, I think it takes like 10 days, so it was like your, your body begins to atrophy, and, and for the first time I kind of had a flabby arm, it's like I hadn't used that arm for like six weeks and uh, I, I uh, luckily my arm my uh, company let me come to work with restricted duty and uh, I, I think at least three or four different days people had to help me do my work and and I still have like a five I can't lift more than five pounds over my head uh, until I see the doctor again but so I'm, I'm still kind of in the middle and I look at that like sanctification but you know that that injury affected my wife uh, you know, she was bringing me ice packs and making sure I had my medicine, and uh, I didn't sleep in our bed for two months. I slept in a chair, and uh, so th- I'm looking at that like sanctification, and yet I'm trying to do what the doctor says and what the physical therapist says, and uh, through that, I mean, I think this week was the first, because I'd been trying to go to the gym, and I was starting to bench press, and I was uh, beginning more and so it really set that back and and I think uh, this last week was the first time I've, I've done a push-up for you know four or five months 
And so I just wanted to illustrate the sanctification uh, process through that. Uh, but it was key, and everybody told me that if you don't do what the doctors say, you know, you're going to have limited mobility, and, uh, and, and, and yet, you know, it affected my body too. Th- think about my body, like the church body. You know, my left hand has had to do, a, I mean, it's been hard to get dressed. It's been hard to do a lot of things. Um, and so my whole body has catered to my right arm. The, the part that's supposed to be the strongest has become the weakest. And uh, I feel like if, if there's sin, if, if people are not being sanctified in the body, then it's, it's hurting everybody, doesn't it? It affects everybody. If everybody's not doing their part, it, it affects everybody. You know... Um, most of you have heard of A.W. Tozer, and he wrote a little illustration called 100 Pianos. We, we have one piano here, but think if there was 100 pianos here, up here. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which... Uh, one must individually bow. One hundred worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become were they to become unity, conscience, and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. So we we are trying to be tuned to the Word of God. Amen. And when we are doing that individually, it brings more unity than if we are trying to have unity one with another. So when we get our vertical relationship right, our horizontal relationships get right, right? So where are you at in the process of sanctification? Are you being defeated like like Israel was when they fought Ai? Next Sunday, we're going to have baptisms. And you know, uh, our disciples taught us this. They said, baptism is not essential to salvation, right? You, you can have a deathbed confession and be saved and go on your way to heaven. You can be in the army in a foxhole and ask the Lord to save you, and he will save you right where you're at. But they said, if you want to be used of God... Baptism is essential for service, and I think that's in our, our discipleship lessons. And so it's just a matter of obedience. Uh, if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. If you're, if you're saved, maybe you need to uh, start the discipleship progress. It, it probably won't take you a year and a half like it did us, but it'll take you six months or so. Um, maybe you need to join a Bible hour class. These, these are ways that discipleship is taking place. Um, and the people are being sanctified. Maybe we need to get involved in ministry. Maybe we just need to commit to being here to the Lord's Supper. And I've observed this. Uh, My wife and I joined this church in 2005, and I know people uh, under, under my ministry that conveniently just weren't here for the Lord's Supper. And, you know, they're not here today. I, I just noticed if, if we're not obedient, 
to be baptized, partake of the Lord's Supper, these two ordinances that the Lord has uh, commanded, then uh, eventually we're going to fall away. We're not wanting to be sanctified. So how usable are you? What is our commitment level to Jesus Christ? Because he is the tuning fork, the, 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 the living word of God and the written word of God to sanctify our lives.